superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm the greatest. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Rolling the dice and hitting the jackpot of saying farewell to LeBron by hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy and having a parade downtown here in Los Angeles is exactly what the Lakers are all about. Earlier on the show, senior writer for the Athletic Pittsburgh, Ed Bouchette, writer at the Fire Pit Collective, Alan Shipnock. Coming up, CBS Sports college basketball analyst, Seth Davis, writer and producer, Michael Schur. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Oh my God, hour number three is starting with a, something I just saw in the commercial break, and I, I I, I honestly thought it was an onion headline. Uh, it involves Tom Brady's next maneuver. Um, and it's apparently very true. He's going to make a movie and he's going to star in it and he's going to act in it. And I cannot wait to tell you about it. But I'm going to wait until my next in-studio guest in 20 minutes joins us because he's a diehard patriot and Boston sports fan. He's the author of the book How to Be Perfect and also the creator of tremendously funny television shows, great television shows like The Good Place, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec. He wrote for The Office back in the day, SNL. He's Michael Schur. He's going to join us in about uh, 20 minutes' time. I cannot wait to drop this for you, on you, on Peacock. And and Michael, that's uh, coming up shortly uh, here on this program. We've already talked to Ed Bouchette of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, back in the day now of The Athletic, uh, letting all Steelers fans know if you're making a big swing for Aaron Rodgers, you want your team to make a big swing for Kyler Murray at quarterback, don't uh, hold your breath. And then uh, Alan Shipnuck, the writer of the Phil uh, biography that's coming up uh, in May, who dropped the quote that Phil mentioned about the Saudi League um, in advance because it was so newsworthy and it led to Phil stepping away from golf. Alan Shipnuck was on the program an hour or two. If you missed any of it, our YouTube page is there for you. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Tonight, we're still waiting for the NBA to return, but college basketball takes center stage, certainly in the Big Ten, as St. Joe's, old St. Joe's head coach Phil Martelli, who's been on the bench for Michigan the last couple of years, um, is uh, going to be the uh, head coach for the next five games for Michigan because Jawan Howard has been suspended for throwing hands uh, at the end of the Wisconsin game the other night. Talk about that and the rest of everything going on uh, as we are uh, inexorably hurtling towards March Madness. Seth Davis of CBS and also Turner Sports back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How you been, Seth? Good to talk to you, Rich. I guess the Super Bowl's over. Yeah. <laughs> The yes. big time guys now, huh? Well, I, I like mean, it. and then and then just as football exits stage left, leaving the stage to uh, college basketball because the NBA is on its all-star break, 
Uh, my coach throws a hand in the handshake line, and uh, all holy heck ensues. What do you think of that and uh, the suspension that Juwan Howard received, Seth? Well, I mean, clearly it was most uh, unfortunate for Juwan to lose his cool like that, and it's not the first time. You know, this happened last year when he kind of went after Mark Turgeon, uh, the then Maryland coach, and kind of had to be restrained, which I've never seen – I've never seen a coach do that. I mean, coaches jawing at each other in the handshake line or getting ticked off at each other or saying things is hardly unusual. But to have a coach need to be physically restrained from going after another coach and then, um, you know, landing a slap slash punch on another coach, I've, I've never seen that. And I think in retrospect, Rich, the school made a big mistake in not coming down on Juwan the last time. Um, and when you, you know, sort of enable that type of behavior, then you're basically telling someone, hey, as long as you win games, you can get away with a lot of things. We saw that for countless years down the road in Bloomington. Um, I don't know Juwan Howard well. Uh, you know, he's a little uh, hands-off with the media. Certainly, I, what I, when I've been around him, I've liked him very much. I'm incredibly impressed by him. He's done an amazing job at Michigan. He's an incredible asset in many, many ways for college basketball. So I hope he learned his, his lesson that um, he, he can't keep doing this. And frankly, I think the school and the Big Ten got it right. I think five games is uh, very serious, particularly this time of year for a team that's on the tournament bubble and fighting to play for its postseason. I think um, you know anything more than that, firing him, in my opinion, would have been excessive. So hopefully you know, he learns from this and, and they can move on. So uh, I will ask you uh, the topic that was red hot 48 hours ago, but I'm um, having you on now, so I'll ask it now. What do you think of the conversation uh, sparked by what happened, uh, that the handshake line should just be done away with since it's a mere formality that is now being used to uh, sort of like Festivus, airing of grievances and then feats of strength? What do you think, Seth? Well, <laughs> I'm very impressed with that old school classical literature. Thank you, sir. I got to dust off my classics to come on your show. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I hate that argument, Rich. I, I love the handshake line. I'm a sportsmanship nerd. I've got three sons who are all playing sports. My oldest son is a high school senior. They got knocked out of the playoffs last night, a very painful way for his senior year to end. And, and they had a handshake line, and he had to shake hands with the team that beat him. And, and I like that. Um, and, you know, 99.99% of the time, the handshake lines are completely uneventful. So my take is that if you can't handle the handshake line, you probably don't belong, certainly in college sports. Uh, I believe that uh, athletics is education, and I believe that, um, you know, if you lose a game, you should be mentally strong enough to look your opponent in the eye, shake that person's hand, and say congratulations, good game. We'll try to get you next time. It's respect for your opponent. It's respect for the game, and I'm, I'm very much in favor of Seth it. Davis here of CBS Sports and The Athletic and so much more here on the Rich Eisen Show. So let's turn the page to Wednesday night um, and Michigan taking on Rutgers with Phil Martelli, the old hand from St. Joe's, and <laughs> a lot of fans who might have been wondering what where Phil went. Um, and then they tune in tonight, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. He only won over 440 games for St. Joe's, right? And – so he uh, he's going to be the man there in this unique position. And part of what I was, you know, disappointed in one of the many things I was disappointed in about uh, what Jawan Howard wrought by throwing that hand is two players are now suspended for a game. And uh, we're, we're seeing this this 
this uh, moment uh, in the handshake line uh, over and over and over again, and it's embarrassing more, more and more times that I see it. And, and this is a bubble team. They flat out 14-11, and 11, needing every W they can get here on out for the last five remaining Big Ten regular season games. What do you think of the position that Michigan finds itself in starting tonight? Seth. Well, you know, one of those players, Musa Diabate, was coming off a career-high 28 points uh, in a win over Purdue. I mean, he, he and he's a very talented recruit, a little bit raw, but, you know, it was funny watching, I say funny, but it was fascinating watching that game. It was like you could literally see, I'm like, the light just went on with this kid. And they have a great center in Hunter Dickinson who's learned to step away from the basket. So it's most unfortunate. And, you know, people may not be aware but if you throw a punch, it is an automatic one-game suspension. There's no deliberation about that. And again, why wouldn't you know? Why wouldn't he throw a punch? His head coach just told him it was okay, and you know, physically. So, yeah, it's super unfortunate. And they're playing now. It's good that they're in Ann Arbor, so that'll help. Um, you know, maybe the pregame meal at Zimmerman's can can get them going. But um, they're playing a Rutgers team that is has been an amazing story, and they play a very physical brand of basketball. In fact, Rich, I didn't know this at the time, but because in light of what happened, this emerged on, on Twitter, when Rutgers beat Michigan uh, at Rutgers, Diabate had to be restrained at the end of that game um, and had to be kind of pulled into the locker room because he was upset. So, you know, he's a kid. He's, he's playing his way through it. But Michigan does not have a ton of margin for error. Now, I will say that the committee does take into account these things, you know, with, with personnel injuries or someone's out for COVID or they're in a couple of games where teams didn't have their head coach. So if Michigan is like right, right on the bubble and they lose this game, um, the committee has the latitude to say, um, well, they didn't have their starting power forward and they didn't have their head coach, but there's only so far that's going to take you. At some point, you got to win enough games, and that's what Michigan is up against right now. Yeah, I mean, Illinois, I mean, who would love to stick the dagger in more than Izzo and Michigan State, right, um, in a couple of games? Uh, a visit to the Ohio State. I, I can't forget the V uh, to, to finish up. It's it, it's not an easy road. A brutal league. They could go 0-5 the rest of the way, and that would make the <laughs> – the decision very easy for the basketball committee. How dare you, Seth? How how dare you? I, I'm sorry. No, four gonna, out of five, they're at home. No, I, I no, I, I and I and I know that. So, uh, who else? Uh, Seth Davis here on the Rich Eisen show. Who else is on that bubble uh, uh, of teams that are have been successful recently or long term? Who else do you think uh, is in danger well, here? Well, you know, the one that really comes to mind is, is North Carolina, who's very quietly had a very very um, disappointing year. Hubert Davis's first. Um, right now, they only have one uh, quad one win, um, and that's that's hard to get into the tournament with that. I, you know, I remember in the old RPI days, it was top 50 wins, and I always felt like the magic number was three. If you were a bubble team and you have three top 50 wins, because the, the, the good wins are have, I think, greater weight than bad losses. Every bubble team has bad losses. That's why Rutgers you know, is a fascinating case, because they have a ton of bad losses, but also a lot of really, really – um, good wins, five uh, quad one wins for Rutgers. So, uh, you know, Carolina's up against it. Indiana is up against it. Um, you know, the question of whether or not uh, the Big Ten can get nine teams because the ACC is probably only going to have three. I mean, we could have a situation where the Mountain West and the West Coast Conference both have more teams in this tournament than the ACC. I don't think either of us thought we'd live long enough to see that, but it's been it's been that kind of season in college basketball. Can you explain to people what the hell a quad one win is? 
<laughs> Can you do Thank that, please? Thank you. That's a, that's a great nerd question. What so the hell? What is it? A quad one went. So, so where and where does it come from? Who who decides what's a what what what? I what decide is a, everything. I decide everything. I make every. Actually, that would if, if I decide everything, there'd be zero replays in any sports. That's a conversation for another day. Okay. So people, it used wow. to be the RPI rank. Right. Now they change that to what they call the net ranking, which uses the more predictive analytic models. The RPI was a little bit um, out, out, out of date. So, you know, scoring margin comes in a little uh, into effect. But people misread it because they say, you know, what a team's overall ranking in the net is not relevant. It's what they do against other teams. Right. right? Okay. So, so, and they also wanted to um, make home and away a factor. So, a quad one win yes. is a is a win over a team or or loss. A quad one game. If you're at home, the opponent is ranked one through thirty in the net. If it's a neutral court, the opponent is top fifty in the net. And if it's a road game, it's top seventy five in the net. And then so quad two, home thirty one to seventy five, neutral fifty one to a hundred away. 76 to 135. So it's just, it's an organizing tool because this 25 and 2 team is obviously not the same as this 25 and 2 team. So how do you quantify that? That's where all these numbers. Well, and, and quad and quad is what? It's just a college campus term? Quad? Like, we're, we're, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm fascinated by this stuff. Who decides this? Is it like, is, is like Lenardi drops some peyote and then hangs out with a bunch of people and they shotgun beers? Yeah, Lenardi peyote is a great fantasy team name. Chris Brockman's writing it down right now. <laughs> who, honestly, who decides this stuff? It's. it's- the, the, there's a there's a committee, the same committee that selects the the tournament. Yes, it's quadrant by the way. So it's quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. Quadrant. You don't want any quad four law. Quadrant. Yes. Okay. Quadrant. Very good. Okay. Um, I don't know what a quad is for. I guess if it's a four sided piece of grass I on guess. campus, that's considered. Yes, yeah, sure. Right. Yes. Right. Right. I wasn't smart enough to get. For instance, for instance, for instance, Seth, uh, uh, on uh, when I was at school, I had I had no quad one wins. I had no wins in any quad. <laughs> it was terrible. That's well, why I wrote for the student newspaper. That's right. <laughs> it didn't help. I had no quad wins. No quad one wins. We could, we, we, we could get, if we're getting competitive, we could get into Jewish summer camp. <laughs> Did we ever battle an intercamp game, Seth Davis? Is that your... Okay. Were you, were you Trails End? Remind me. I was Trails End, yeah. Where were you? Trails End. I was Equinox. Oh, we definitely... How old are you, Seth? Yeah, we definitely did. How old are you, Seth? You don't, you don't remember me dunking you on the video? <laughs> I was keeping score, Seth. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. How old God. am I? I'm 51. So we, this happened. You and I have played industry camp games happened. before. We, this happened. Well, okay, somewhere but, in a camp yearbook is me dunking on you on the video. <laughs> uh, so uh, somebody comes up with this, yeah. and these metrics are then agreed to, and then, the, and then yeah. what? The, the, men, the, the same men's basketball committee that, that selects and sees the bracket, they oversee a lot of the administration of the NCAA tournament, not just the, the, the bracketing. And so this okay. it's just a conversation over the years about how best really to take out the subjectivity because, it's, because once you start getting subjective, now it's like, well, who are you buddies with, and what conference are you in, and are you a high major, and are you, you know, this, this eye test thing is, is silly. Um, and then it's also about um, valuing a non-conference schedule. Like they're, they're trying to incentivize um, these high major teams to play good games in November and December because otherwise if you're in a power league, you could just play lousy teams at the start of the year and then know you're going to get enough 
opportunities for quality wins. Okay. So, um, you know, it's been a conversation for total basketball nerds. Uh, and then, you know, people who want to see this thing done well and fairly, and, and, and that's where we landed. Well, okay. I just want to make sure my... I'll, I'll pay attention to all that, and I'll let you know what you need to know. I don't want no, you going that's, down that's what, I'm that's what I'm saying. So, so I guess just to wrap up this conversation, what's yes. a good number when I'm seeing you and everybody else talk about this and this team has these quad one wins? What's a good number of wins, so many wins to have when you're on the bubble? Yes. So if, if you're a bubble team, I would say... Three quad one wins is probably important. It's not. It's not make or break. Right. You know, some of these mid major teams um, are not going to have that. Like Murray State is a top twenty five. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to get three quad one wins, but they're also not going to have any bad losses. So okay, um, it's tough. I mean, you know, they're sitting in that committee room, ten men and women, and making these decisions. And there's a lot on the line. These kids have worked hard, and there's there's money at stake, and. Uh, you know, you want to find some way to level the playing field and look at the data in the best, in the way that's most reflective, and then just do the best you can and know that you're going to get ripped either way. Kind of like hosting a, th- a talk show. That's you're it. Just <laughs> either way. You might as well say what you want to say. Or intercamp games in, uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the Pennsylvania Poconos like we did back I mean, in the if day. People, if, people, if people think that, like, you know, the NFL playoffs was exciting. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they don't know what intercamp games They have like. no In idea. Wayne County, Pennsylvania. Wayne County. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Seth Davis, let's do this again shortly. You'll hey, look man, for my call. Back. I love talking to you, Rich. Thank you. Right back at you. That's Seth Davis, CBS Sports, The Athletic, and more right here. I hated Camp Equinox. They were a whole bunch of highfalutin you-know-what. They were. Cross the, well, Seth went to Duke, so... Cross the line. Oh, please. He was perfect, perfectly made for that. So were they the sweater tied around the neck type? Yeah. Cats? But uh, trust me, Trails End Camp was not... Uh, we, Trails we, End? We, we, yeah. Yeah, we weren't... Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of highfalutin. Yeah, you were You were lunch Kind of highfalutin. But I'm not lying. In, at Michigan, I had no quad one wins. None. Zero? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I got shut out in quad one wins. <laughs> But look at me now. Quad one else. I'm on the Rich Eisen show. A lot of Fridays in the library. Is that Uh, what you're trying to say? How to be perfect, everybody. (laughs) Shut up. How to be perfect. Michael Schur, the creator of The Good Place and more, when he comes back. This is going to be a great conversation. He's in studio. Don't go away. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and we're back here on our Rich Eisen Show Terrestrial Radio Network here on the Rich Eisen Show in person, in studio. When, when somebody writes a book who I know, um, I, I want them to come on this show. Certainly when uh, I'm a big fan of their work and our children go to school together for as long as they have. Full disclosure, all those things. Um, the author of How to Be Perfect, The Correct Answer to Every Moral Question, where all books can be acquired right now. Man has uh, created so many terrific television programs, including The Good Place. Michael Sure, good to see you, sir, for I'm a second. So happy to be here. Thank, Thank you, you for having. Thank me. you for coming here. Greatly appreciate it. So, let's get into a, a couple of things first before we get to the book. Here, is it true? Um, were you behind the, the Joe Morgan thing back in the yeah, day? Yeah, uh, a couple friends of mine and I back in early two thousands. Yeah, uh, send each other so many texts and emails complaining about the way the baseball was written about and talked about mm-hmm. that one of my friends, Dave King, said we should just start a blog so we don't have to bother each other. And just yeah. every time we see something we don't like, we mm-hmm. write it down. <laughs> so we started this blog called Fire Joe Morgan. We didn't think very long about the title of the blog. We, it was a bad, I, I didn't never like the, what, it, what we decided to call it. Yes. He wasn't the only problem. Right. There were many problems. So we just started this thing where every time someone said something or wrote something stupid about baseball, we would make fun of it. And then Will Leach was running Deadspin at the time and started right. linking to us. And suddenly this thing, we went from having eight readers a day, yes. which was the four of us and then four of our friends, mm-hmm. to like 15,000, 20,000 very quickly. And it was, uh, it was wild. And we were anonymous. We, did, we had decided, again, with no thought. We had, we put, I can't explain how little thought we put into this. <laughs> we, had, we had made ourselves anonymous. And so eventually it was like, well, this is weird. Like, I feel like the accused have a right to face their accusers here. Yes. So we came out and announced who we were. At the time, I was writing on The Office, and I played the character Mose on The Office, Dwight Schrute's <laughs> ghoulish beet farming cousin Mose. And so then all these articles got written that was like, this sports blogger is Mose from The Office. Yes. Yeah. Putting so it, two and two together. Yeah. And then that made the readership go up even higher. And it, it, the whole thing was very weird. So Joe was emblematic is what you're saying. Joe was what, emblematic. What, yes. The way that he talked about baseball on the Sunday night broadcast. What's wrong? What, what is wrong? He with- was very dug in. This was right when Moneyball was changing everything. Right. Yes. The book had come out and people were beginning to think that batting average isn't a good way to analyze how good a baseball player is. There are other stats that are better. And there was an old school crew of people who were saying, no, this is the way we've always done it. I know how to, I know how to, I played baseball. I know how to analyze baseball. You can't tell me, a computer can't tell me, blah, 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 blah. So there was just this division. It's pretty much gone now. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't do that blog now because now people have generally accepted that OPS is a better stat than batting average. But at the time there was this real division between the old school guys and the new school guys. 
And so it was just the old school guys refusing to listen to reason or to, So you were you know. blogging on behalf of metrics. Is I was what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> That's and groundbreaking. The way you say that makes me think that I wasted my life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, clearly your uh, your accomplishments would uh, counter that argument. All right, sir. fair enough. I think you'd uh, counter that argument. So you were writing for the office at the time. Yeah, you were writing for SNL first. That happened SNL ninety eight to oh four office. What 04 the to hell was that like to be an SNL back it, in the day, man? I mean, I'll tell you, man. It was great. Like, uh, and and but the word great encompasses a lot of stuff. Yes. Starting with, I was miserable because I got the job right out of college. I was completely unqualified and I sucked at it. Like, uh, and, and this is not false modesty. Like I was actively terrible and it's a very weird place where it's very sink or swim. Like you show up on your first day, nobody shows you where the bathroom is. Nobody tells you how anything works right. on my first day there. Yes. I was like, so I, I finally, at like 4 p.m., I'd been there for hours, and I was suddenly, uh, I, I said to a, a guy I knew, so what, like, what, ha- what happens? Like, what, what, are, what am I supposed to do? And he was like, well, you know, we write sketches, and then you know, there's a read-through on Wednesday, and in a couple hours, we have the, you know, the, the host meeting. And I was like, sorry, what now? And he was like, yeah, we go into Lauren Michaels' office, and we pitch the host of the show uh-huh. our sketch ideas for the week. I had no sketch ideas for the week. I had just oh started. I didn't God. know I had to do this. So I frantically went to my office, dreamed up a couple terrible sketch ideas. And 90 minutes later, we're sitting in Lauren Michaels' office with Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> the most intimidating human being on earth. And they and I was like, thir- I sat in the corner, but Lauren happened to start going with- around the room with like the person just to my right. So one second after that, he was like, Mike, what do you have? And I was like, here are my sketch ideas for you, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, world's most famous and intimidating actor. Was this like around Pulp Fiction time? Is it, that when no, it was well, on? it would have been 04, so it was okay. later than that. Okay. And, but, but his stature had only grown. Sure. Like He was right. only more Samuel L. Jackson at that point than he had been. Right. So that's the kind of place it is. And I was very bad at it for a long time. Eventually, I like figured it out. Things started to click. And from that point on, I, I had a great time. So and, which get maybe got you... Where you wanted to go, do you remember? Like, I started writing sketches. I started writing a parody of Hardball with Chris Matthews, the old show on MSNBC. (laughs) Daryl Hammond played Chris Matthews. That's right, I remember that. And um, he did a great Chris Matthews. And and at the time, so this is 04, 05, like a lot's going on. I mean, a lot's always going on. But we were in the Middle East and, you know, Mission Accomplished Banner and all that sort of stuff. And I started to figure out, um, I'm sorry, wait, this is way earlier than that. This is like 2001. This is like 9-11 like the the war was just beginning, right? And there were people who were um, on extreme. It was the beginning of that sort of media craze of like have one person on from the left, have one person on from the right, and have them fight. They first taked it was the pre first take <laughs> politics version, right? So I just started writing those sketches with other people who where we would have one person representing the left, one the right, and then we would have one just lunatic Tracy Morgan, usually just playing some lunatic who was just screaming about something. Those, like, once I figured out, okay, I kind of, I'm seeing something in the culture and I understand how to present it, then it, the job got a lot easier. Well, I mean, Michael Schur, the uh, author and uh, writer, creator, producer, right here on The Rich Eyes Show. We had Tracy Morgan on. When did we have him on, guys? Like, two months ago? What he called in? Ago, yeah. He called yeah, in and told a story about he met Lorne Michaels for the first time outside of Yankee Stadium. Sure. Um, not going to the game, but he was scalping tickets. Great. And what, he's selling cocaine? Is that what he said as well? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's what he said, yeah. right? He said it, right? Scalping tickets, selling cocaine. Yeah, that's what he was doing, all else. of that stuff. Great. And what, you got any good Tracy Morgan? He was my stuff? office mate for my <laughs> second and third years at the show. 
I don't know that I ever saw him in my office. Like he wasn't. <laughs> and w- by the way, that's not rare. Like there's some actors yes. on that show write a lot of stuff. Some mm. don't. Like yes. it's any there's any number of different ways you can function at the show. Right. But I, he was my office mate, and I literally never saw him. But he did give me. For the first time in my life, he gave me a nickname. Okay. I had never had a nickname in my life yes. until Tracy started calling me Sure Shot. Sure Shot. And I was like, this is the greatest. I'm so happy about this. And to this day, I haven't seen him in years, but every time I see him, he goes, Sure Shot. Like it's immediately right out of his mouth. It's good, the best. That is the best. Yeah. That is the best. Sure Shot. Oh, my God. Um, so, all right, let's get into um, your book. Um, you sure you don't want to talk Boston sports first? Well, no, I, I'm get, that's how I'm getting into it. <laughs> How to be perfect, the correct answer to every moral question. You have one, right, Chris, for him right off the bat? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Get into it. Go for it. I will never, ever, as long as I shall live, will forgive John Henry for trading Mookie Betts. That's it. That's all. I, that's my moral. Yeah, is that a moral I, question, or how, that do, just, I, how do I get he, past? No, it's a moral question. Does that fit? Yeah. Does that fit the mold yeah, he, of your? Here's what like I would he, say. Seventy. I didn't want to pay an extra seventy million because he wanted to be paid three hundred plus. You own Liverpool. It's like in your couch cushion. Right? True. Or don't pay Nathan All right, let him Stop, stop. My God, this is not EEI for crying out loud. I get it. Uh, thank God it's not EEI. Um, I, here's what I'll say about this. Uh, you're, uh, uh, all the reports where he wanted to leave, that he wasn't going to sign, that he wanted to test free agency. Uh, and given that, was it a prudent move to trade him when they could get something back for him? Possibly. Is it good that, you know, you have Verdugo as a young guy, salary controlled, coming up through now now a, a crucial part of the team? Absolutely. All that being said, I'll never forgive him either. Thank you. It's, it was the wrong moral decision. It was a morally corrupt decision to trade Mookie Betts. If you have Mookie Betts, I don't care if he's going to leave. I don't care if it's better for the team. You keep him as long as you possibly can because yeah. he's the world's greatest living human being. And he's also exactly. yours, right? Like he's he's the one oh, that you, you saw from the minute he first stepped on a field. You Look, know? we don't know what he offered. We don't know what Henry offered him at all. We have no idea. He might have offered him right. trout plus a dollar. I don't know. <laughs> the point is that you you don't ever – that guy should have played 22 years in a Red Sox uniform, had his number retired, and had been – I don't care if the team sucks for – 15 years. I just want to watch that guy play for my team. So you do everything you possibly can to keep him. That's what I think. Then the moral the the moral decision of this is just doing something the it's right just, thing for your fan it's base. It's really friend. just I'm angry. Right? <laughs> it's not much exactly. beyond that. Okay. And I will never not be angry about it. Yeah. That's certainly now that he's out there, you get a front row seat here in Los Angeles. Well, greatness. that is great, by the way. As a resident of Los Angeles, I, my son and I have gone to see yes. the Dodgers play 12 times since he came out here, and it is wonderful to see him play. So now this perfect thing as well, I wanted to ask you, because again, uh, and then we'll get into questions specifically that are asked in this book. Here's a moral question for you, Michael Sure, because I know your son is a diehard baseball mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Cooper and I do a fantasy league together. Zan also contributes. Right. And they're asking me, when are we going to do the fantasy baseball draft this year? And I had it. I made that look that you're giving me right now. Like, (laughs) how do I explain a lockout? Yeah. To my child. How do I explain corporate greed to a (laughs) nine year old? Yeah. I'm saying like, how do I, well, you know what? They're trying to figure out a luxury tax. Like how do like, what do you like? I I basically said, I don't know if there's going to be one this year. And yeah, and the question comes back, why? And I'm like, well, they're arguing over 
how to be paid, you know? Yeah, like, that's it. I know. It's hard. And, you know, what's really sad is, like, I am watching. My son lives, breathes, eats baseball and basketball and football, too. But right. baseball was his first love. And I'm watching it affect him in real time. Like, he's just like, what the hell? Like, why Why is this? What are they doing? Why can't we have baseball on, on April 1st? Right. And I can run through the situation about the history of the union and Kurt Flood and Marvin Miller and this and that. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. He wants baseball. You know what I mean? Like, I, and yeah. the labor practices uh, that are under scrutiny and the, and the ownership practices are, it really makes you realize when you explain it to a kid yes. how cruel this is of specifically the league and ownership to not be more uh, desirous of a full season because all kids want, all baseball fans want, Watch damn baseball games right. on April, starting April 1st. You count on this sport to bring you from April to October every year, and they're just going to deny us that, and it's driving me nuts. So have you had this conversation with Will? I yeah. have, and he's, he just, he, he understands, he's old enough to have the... 13. Yeah, right. he's old enough to have the basic understanding of, like, owners are greedy, players were treated unfairly for a long time. It's that quote, I can't remember who it is now, said, uh, owners screwed us for the first 60 years and now we're going to screw them for the next 60. Like that was mm. when the free agency thing happened. But regardless, you can explain it all you want. The end result is there's no baseball and it's horrifying. Well, I got my kids a Donald Fear pop-up book oh. and, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, it's better than a Jeffrey Kessler scratch and sniff. <laughs> For kids. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I'm like so done with this thing right now. The labor, like, the, yeah, the, the like it, Because you know what's coming. You, yeah. know, it's, you know that it's going to go to the. Well, now the crazy thing now is not to go too far down this rabbit hole. They're just arguing about money. My friend Joe Posnanski wrote about this the other day. Yeah. It's now like most of the other stuff, the arbitration years and the, this and manipulation, that. That stuff's mostly either been settled or gone away. It's just money now. And that's what makes it worse to me is like. If you're just arguing about money, then you, a collection of 30 billionaires, yeah. ought to find the money to make this go away. That's like, the idea. Yeah. So uh, what is the idea of your book, Michael Schur, How to Be Perfect? And uh, what you came up with it, right? So this, Very Good Place looking cover. Yes, well. it is. Yeah. Right. Um, so the, it came out of the, the show, The Good Place. I w got to the end of that show and I had spent five years or so reading all this moral philosophy and all these theories of ethics and then talking about them with very smart people and funny people and taking all these ideas that are very dense and frankly pretty boring in their original forms and figuring out how to put them into the mouths of people like Ted Danson and Kristen Bell and make them funny and palatable. And I just kind of felt like I wanted to like collect it all in one place. Right. Like, and, and I found the understanding of these theories to be very helpful in my own life. Like I, like at least now when I screw up, if I blow something, mm -hmm. I at least know why like that, which is a very comforting thing. It's like, Oh, here's what I did that was wrong here. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a lot of people might enjoy knowing theories of ethics if they didn't have to struggle through an 18th century German text that nobody really wants to read. <laughs> so I decided to just try to make a book that was like, I'm, we're at dinner and you ask me like, hey, what's, what are these theories of ethics about? And I am talking to you like a normal person instead yes. of an 18th century German philosopher. And so uh, questions like what um, that, that you're asking to, I have a couple right here. Can I still enjoy great art if it was created by terrible people? That's a good one. That was the hardest chapter to write by far. Right. I mean, that's, that to me is like, that's a sports fan question at its heart, right? Because you, if you're a sports fan, 
you are immediately morally compromised. Your team, your owner stinks and has done terrible things. <laughs> your the players uh, have done terrible things. The league has done terrible. Like if you're a football fan, which I know you are, yes, I, I am, Michael. Too, yeah, like it, right. like no, the the number of like moral quandaries you're facing every time Sunday rolls around and you turn on the game are endless. Like right. in and the from the league itself to the ownership. I mean, Jerry Jones just very quietly paid some cheerleaders two and a half million dollars so that they wouldn't sue him because one of the if team officials was peeping at them like like a old timey pervert through some keyhole or like taking videos of them in the locker. I mean, this is horrifying. And that's far from the only scandal the Cowboys have faced. And Jerry Jones basically runs the league and you can go on and on and on. Right. So every time you have this thing that you love and you tune in to watch it, mm-hmm. you can't help. I think, but also have buzzing in the back of your head. Like, is this okay? And not to mention the fact the game itself is so violent and so many guys have been hurt and their lives have been ruined. And we just kind of try to forget it. We so put blinders what's, on. What's the answer then? The so, answer is yes, you can. Well, then there's also, just to complete the thought, there are also directors and actors and, and artists and whoever, celebrities that we love and that are mean a lot to us. Like I talk about Woody Allen. Woody Allen was key for me mm-hmm. in terms of my own development as a comedy writer. He made me want to be a comedy writer. And then you grow up and you learn some really unpleasant things about Woody Allen and you start to look at his work differently. So the thing I say in the book, and it's a fairly long argument, is the only mistake I think you can really make is trying to actually trying to separate these two things. Is trying to either ignore the problems that these people have created or if they really mean something to you, Mm -hmm. cutting them out of your life entirely because that's how we develop as people is we learn about this comedian and this athlete means something to us and we share experiences. I I watched football games with my son when he was just learning about sports and those memories are meaningful to me. So you just kind of have to keep these two ideas in your head at the same time. Like this thing is important to me and also it's problematic and and dividing them is is unnatural and i think a problematic thing and it's uh, that's why it's so difficult to come up with the answer in a way and that's why the t is off that's right. off <laughs> on the side here for how it's it's how to be perfect and then oh there's a t right oh, there's there there's a t over there right yeah. there uh, michael mm-hmm. sure here on the rich Eisen show before i let you go i want to pitch you an idea great okay you must get pitched ideas all the time by the way how to be perfect maybe a better book yes, how to be Vontes perfect <laughs> you, heard uh, you heard that guy one. an interesting life all right you must get pitched all the time like literally i got an idea for you yeah because you're you and you because you can make it happen you've got deals you've got people you got ways to do it's it all right juice Rich. here's a here's an idea here's an idea you tell me if you green light this all right it stars tom brady okay I have you at hello right Heard here. Of okay, him. your yeah. eyes. Okay, your your eyes. <laughs> it stars Tom Brady, and as a matter of fact, he's going to be in it. He agrees to be in it. This is already. A, I'm leaning in. Okay, you're leaning in. Uh, it is a story um, about four individuals who are lifelong friends okay. and diehard fans of the Patriots, who take a life changing trip to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51. Is that the one where uh, it looked like... The 28-3? Uh, to three? The 28-3, to three, right? Yeah, okay. Um, to see Brady play. And the four people are octogenarians. It's called 80 for Brady. And the people who are in it, here are the four stars who are, who are going go. to get to, on this road trip Lay together. Down, here they are. They are put up on the screen. Lily Tomlin. Um, it is Jane Fonda. It is Rita Moreno. And Sally Field. 
I mean, instantaneous green light. You green light it? Absolutely. You're look in? At those, look at those four. Those are four of the greatest uh, actors of all time. <laughs> like the, oh, Absolutely. And Brady's, I assume, playing Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. He plays Tom Brady, yes. Yes. So, what, so what's the problem? It. He's producing it, so you get to meet him. You get to hang with him. I mean, uh, absolutely in. green light this. That sounds hilarious. I, it was so much less terrible an idea than it when I heard that Tom Brady was <laughs> going to be in a movie. <laughs> So right away we're doing well, but those Rita Moreno and Lily—you wouldn't greenlight a movie with Rita Moreno and I Lily Tomlin and I, I, Jane I, I, Fonda? No, I, I, I totally would, and and it doesn't involve, I guess, you know, these alien eggs, and they jump into a pool together and feel young again. Like it's not that. <laughs> but it, look, um, if you told me that Tom Brady was going to be in a movie where he played like secret agent, you know, Jack McClane or something, and it was saving it, whatever, I would say no, absolutely say not. No. He's going to be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> He's playing Tom Brady. He's he, knows, he knows how to do that. Well, we've seen Ted 2, right? So yeah, he's done that before. Entourage he's been in. Okay, know. so he's had a history of doing that. By the way, hosted stuck, SNL after I was gone and was super funny. It's like, Tom Brady's falafel city. I'll never forget that. That, that, that <laughs> skit. That skit, very good. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I'm just caught off guard that the four people I thought we'd see him with next, if anything... <laughs> would have been Godwin, Evans, Fournette, Gronk, and Arians, yeah, and Gronk. Yeah. Not Fonda, Tomlin, Field, and Moreno. and Moreno, you know? I mean, that, but that's what makes it a good idea. That's unexpected, right? You're going to go see that movie. I'm gonna, you and I are going to go. You and I are going to go together. <laughs> <laughs> Opening night. I don't know if that's a quad one win, sir. I don't know if that's a quad that's one. That's a quad one idea right there. I'm, I'm all in on this. Because anybody who pitches you, I got Brady, he's going to star in it, he's going to be No, himself. that's where I'm like, oh boy. That's you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that, the addition of four of the greatest female four, actresses of yes, all time. If, and Brady playing Brady. Like, the one thing you know he knows how to do is be Tom Brady. Like, well, how is that bad? This is, this is a great idea. Who, who do you cast as Belichick? Because you got to get him in well, there. Well, Mark right? Wahlberg wants to do it. He can't play. <laughs> Wahlberg in a hoodie is no. Belichick? He no, said he wants just, to do it. You just get an Easter Island head and you animate it. That's what it is. <laughs> Our second Easter Island <laughs> reference of the day. This is too good. This is too good. This is too good. Let's workshop it a little bit more. Rich, well, let me, um, can I ask Michael, since we're pitching him stuff, what about a show oh, based on this no. show with Danny DeVito starring as the Michael Del Tufo character? No. Okay, so I heard I heard you talking about this backstage. Oh, if you want to do a show about four people who have a simulcast peak Cock, yes. Serious radio show. Yes. I'm in if the four people are Sally Field, Rita Moreno, <laughs> Lily Tomlin. They're very versatile actresses, well, so um, they could, interestingly they, they could enough, work. unfortunately, it appears they're not available, Michael. That's why I knew it was safe to pitch. They're not available because Tom Brady poached them from our idea. Wait, so speaking of Brady, real yeah. quick, Mike, where was where did you come out on the moral dilemma facing New England fans the last two years about rooting for the Bucks? I don't think that's a moral dilemma at all. I look, Tom Brady, you and I have talked about this yes, a have. lot. Yes, we have. Tom Brady brought me more sports fan joy yeah, than anyone could ever has brought any sports fan ever. Yeah. Like by like the quantifiable fact. And all I want for him is success and happiness and glory. I rooted for Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl when he was in it. Yeah. I wanted him to win. Like, I, I don't understand. If you, it, like, Mookie Betts leaving in his prime is one thing. Tom Brady leaving because he had hit a wall with Belichick and the organization or whatever and wanted to go somewhere else. Godspeed. Good luck. I have no problem at all. I, I think the more interesting question for Patriots fans is, 
how do you deal with Spygate, Deflategate, all that uh-huh. stuff? Ah, that's that, what the rest of the league would that, say. We need another hour to I would to say that cover. didn't exist. Uh, <laughs> that's How to Be Perfect, everybody, by Chris Brockman. That's why you don't have that book. Uh, it's Michael a leisure. It's, how, a, it's a one-page book. One-page Just book. ignore it. Just, it doesn't exist. Just ignore it. It's not a book. It's not a book. It's not even a blog about, uh, about statistics. How to Be Perfect, the correct answer to every moral question. Buy it uh, where all books are sold. Michael Schur, good to see you, sir. Good to see Say you. Say hi to the family for me. I will. We're back with more to wrap up the show in a moment. And your call. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen (laughs) Show, Terrestrial Radio Audience. (laughs) Just coming up with all the ways that this thing is going to be sold. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. This Brady movie. We should all go opening night. Mike, Mike's right. We need to go opening night. Yeah. Big big bug, pop, bucket of popcorn. Yeah, like, yeah let's I go. gotta go. I'll definitely go. Like, let's do it. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. This is a great idea. There's no other Fonda, right? Is there a Fonda in, in the NFL? Uh, I can look. <laughs> there's I not. I can't think of one. There's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's another Fonda. You know? See, there's a Foles. Left. There's a Foles. Well, they won't shake hands. They won't they shake hands. Yeah. Okay, very good. <laughs> Every golf equipment company claims to be longer off the tee, people. We all know this, but only Callaway's new Rogue ST driver is the one built to completely bomb it. It's been speed-tuned, that's the ST for you, to be Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. Every Rogue ST is engineered with a new tungsten speed cartridge, which gives you more speed on off-center hits and provides much more forgiveness Thanks to high MOI. It's just the beginning because Callaway has engineered a rogue ST for every player. I use the Max. That's incredible combination of distance and forgiveness. The Max D is the dedicated draw model for players who need more shot shape correction. And if you want something more low spin, Max LS is the one for you. But for the true players out there, the rogue ST triple diamond LS is the compact low spin head. Tour players love. Look, Callaway has thought through every aspect of speed. So all you have to do is go rogue. Find your rogue ST driver at CallawayGolf.com slash go rogue. Yeah, no one ever named Fonda in NFL history. Are you serious? Yeah, no one. In the history of the NFL, there's been no Fonda. Yep. So Brady had to bring the yep. the Fonda to him. No one actually named Field. Everyone has been Fields with an S. Uh, three Morenos. Moses. Moses. Yes. Uh, Zeke. Zeke Moreno. Zeke Moreno. Played from 01 to 05 and... Of course, no Sean Marino. No Sean. That's right. Yeah. Super Bowl champion, no Sean Marino. Uh, yeah. Right? Didn't he, he was the one who was the, one of the most famous crying shots yeah. during the National Anthem. Yeah, that was his last year with Denver. Right. And so... Um, oh, no. He actually was not on the Super Bowl team. He wasn't? He played until 2014. Well, go figure. Hmm. Um, and then you got... Uh, um, what about... Uh, 
So there's Tom, no field. Tomlin. The Tom. Tom, I mean, it's Tom, Tom, Tom Mike. Mike. So Mike Tomlin, everyone else is a Tomlin son. Oh. But a Tommy Tomlin played in the 20s. And now uh, the current Tomlin and the current Tommy playing with each other on the, on the, on the movie screen. A lot of Brady's, when, obviously. So. Well, that's good stuff. Great stuff to find, finish up our show. <laughs> you just gave the most disgusted look. I mean, no, we we hit all the top stories. I told you this is the turkey hole, one of the turkey holes you in the wanna, sports calendar. You want to see more sweater Photoshop? Sure. Yeah, I think that's mandatory. Yeah, we have a few more of these. Do we want to do that? or we gonna, Okay, what else we got? And we got a big anniversary we got to talk about. So what's the big anniversary? Oh. Let's go there. Big anniversary. Ten years ago today. Yes. You guys, in the, you guys in the Twitter beefs? Always. Please go for it, Chris. It was 10 years ago today. You ten and Spike Lee went at it. 10 years ago today. Uh, I took issue with something that Darren Ravel had tweeted about Spike Lee. And, you know, I made my comments be known because back then you don't think any of these celebrities are going to respond to and you. And you, you were accusing me of Fairweather fan not going to all Nick games, right? I was accusing. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was like, Darren Ravel was tweeting about Spike, like traveling yeah. to Miami or yeah. something for a game. Because this was right, this, you, know, you know what this was? This was, um, this was Linsanity. So this is the anniversary of Linsanity getting shut down. Remember LeBron and Dwayne Wade put an end to that. <laughs> and, so, and so I was like, ah, get real. Like, he's only a real fan when the Knicks are good. Kind of proving my point because he was going to a road game in which, you know, the Knicks were good. And, and he, he wrote, you're an effing moron. I've paid for moron. my season tickets since Ewing's rookie season, 17 years th- through many bad teams. And then... All caps, wake up. This is back in the day when you had to literally write the letters RT that you were retweeting somebody in your tweet. So this would have been a monster thread back in the day if there was a thread. So then I wrote back again. I was like, there's a difference between paying for your tickets and actually showing up when the team sucks. And he didn't respond. Yep. And (laughs) since then, he's now off of Twitter and an Oscar winner. And you're sitting here on the Rich Eisen show. Because you know why I didn't respond again? tickets for the Rams. Spike Lee had a tier system. For life. Oh, yeah. The requirements for him that to continue. I we know that I won. So. Thank you for taking in this program. It's been a TJ Jefferson joint. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chat Thursday. Pass.